You are Locked On SEC, your daily podcast on the Southeastern Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? Welcome into Locked On SEC. Great to have you guys along on today's show. The latest from around the conference as Greg Sankey takes shots at the ACC for giving their conference a little bit of an easier path to the playoff. We will explain. Also, we'll talk all things SEC with Lynn Scarborough of Lindy Sports. We'll get his thoughts on SEC players opting out as of late. And also, we'll catch up with Fox Sports' Joel Klatt as we debate who from the SEC deserves a shot at the college football playoff. I'm Chris Gordy. Be sure to subscribe and follow Locked on SEC for free wherever you get your podcast. You will get the latest episode as soon as it comes out five days a week. All right, let's do it. Let's go around the conference. Boots out to the right. Around the conference. SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey made a strong college football playoff case for his conference on Wednesday, in part by citing that his conference plans to play all of its scheduled regular season games. That comes after the ACC this week canceled games for its two best teams in order to make it easier for them to advance to the league title game and, by extension, earn playoff bids. The ACC's move on Tuesday raised some eyebrows around college football as the conference eliminated December 12th games for both Notre Dame and Clemson, number two and number three, respectively. The ACC said it made the move to, quote, preserve the integrity of the league's championship on December 19th. Greg Sankey saw it another way. He said, I was surprised to see that announcement. It begs one question. If their two most highly ranked teams were, for instance, ranked five and six in the playoff rankings, would this decision have been made? There is no doubt the ACC's decision removes resistance for both the Fighting Irish and Tigers to meet in the ACC title game for the conference to potentially get two teams into the playoff. With the move, Notre Dame, who is 9-0, clinched a spot in the ACC title game by basically sitting on their couch. Their December 12th game against Wake Forest has been eliminated, and it ends the season this Saturday against Syracuse. Clemson, who's 8-1, they end the regular season having to win as a 22-point favorite at Virginia Tech this weekend to clinch a spot in Charlotte. That means both schools will head into the ACC title game, having played eight of their originally scheduled 10 conference games. It also means the ACC will have one less game for its teams to wade through COVID-19. Over at LSU on his radio show last night, Coach Ed Ogeron hinted that T.J. Finley likely get the start versus Alabama this Saturday at quarterback, though they have not finalized the decision. Ogeron said both Finley and Max Johnson are expected to play versus the Crimson Tide, but it sounds like Finley will get the first snap. If you recall, last week against AM, Finley threw two interceptions, including a pick six. Max Johnson was able to move the ball, including a touchdown drive in the final minute for LSU. Max Johnson has a little bit more running ability. I think that would help against an aggressive Alabama defense. Over at Georgia, if they win all of their remaining games, which include Saturday against Vanderbilt, a yet-to-be-rescheduled game against Mizzou, and a bowl game, the seniors will go down as the class with the most wins in the history of Georgia football, with 45 wins in their careers. Players well aware of that on Tuesday evening, senior linebacker Monty Rice and senior defensive end Malik Herring made it clear they know exactly what's at stake. Rice said it's special. You want to win every game regardless of who it is. We want to win as many as po- as many po- as possible. And if we're able to achieve that, it will be great. 
The Davey O'Brien Foundation announced this week the 35 quarterbacks named to the Davey O'Brien quarterback class. Each member of the group is now an official candidate to win the Davey O'Brien National Quarterback Award. SEC quarterbacks making the list include Heisman contenders Kyle Trask and Mac Jones, as well as Mizzou's Connor Basilak, Ole Miss's Matt Corral, and Texas A&M's Kellen Mond. They're going to limit it down to a round of semifinalists, and then the next round of fan voting will take place starting on December 7th, going through December 20th, with the three finalists being named on December 22nd. I would bet Trask and Mac Jones have a really good shot at being in those final three. The winner will be announced on January 7th on the 30th annual Home Depot College Football Awards on ESPN. Ross Dellinger from Sports Illustrated with an interesting story yesterday that the CDC has dropped quarantine time down from two weeks to 10 days. And college football players can now test out after seven days. Seems to be a little bit, a little too late for football to really, for that to really have an impact. But it's very significant when we talk about basketball. Because originally they were thinking two weeks out and college basketball, you're missing a handful of games doing that now if it's, only 10 days with a positive and seven days if you've tested out. Guys can get back a little bit quicker. ESPN made an official announcement yesterday that the Las Vegas Bowl will not be played this year. That's significant because it was going to be an SEC versus Pac-12 matchup. Basically said not much sense in having the bowl game in Vegas with no fans coming in. It's unfortunate because a lot of SEC fans were looking forward to having that bowl game available Because when you consider going to Orlando or Nashville or Shreveport, Las Vegas tends to be uh, a destination to go follow your team in a bowl game. But it will have to wait until 2021. Over at Tennessee, Jeremy Pruitt said Tennessee will absolutely accept a bowl bid if they are invited, even if the Vols have a losing record in the regular season. Last night, Phil Fulmer called into Vol Calls, the statewide radio call-in show on the Vol Radio Network, and offered a vote of confidence for his head coach, Pruitt. Fulmer noted that Johnny Major's record through 30 games was 14-15-1, while Pruitt's record was 15-15 after his first 30 games. Now, Pruitt has lost two more since that. He's now 15-17 overall. But Fulmer said he thinks Tennessee is still playing hard and kept reiterating they are a very young team. We'll see if Fulmer continues to back Jeremy Pruitt. Over at Ole Miss, their freshman quarterback slash wide receiver Cade Renfro is entering the transfer portal, so we'll see where he ends up. But also at Ole Miss yesterday, Lane Kiffin, speaking to the media, said you could put any ideas of Matt Corral leaving early to bed. He says Corral is 1,000% coming back next year, so that is some good news for Ole Miss fans. Like, I hadn't heard Matt Corral's name mentioned in any draft circles, but these boats well for Lane Kiffin, Ole Miss, and some stability moving into next season. Kyle Trask, as well as nine other SEC stars, are projected to go in the first round of the latest CBS Sports NFL mock draft. Here's who they got. They got Patrick Sertan going sixth overall, Jamar Chase going ninth overall. Remember him? He is sitting out this year at LSU. O'Lyman from Bama, Alex Leatherwood going number 12. Jalen Waddell from Alabama going number 13. Kyle Pitts, the Florida tight end, going 15th. J.C. Horn, the South Carolina DB, going 16th. 
Devontae Smith, Alabama wide receiver, going number 22. Aziz Ojolari, linebacker from Georgia, going 24th. Trey Smith, O-lineman from Tennessee, going 29th. And Kyle Trask going to the Saints with the 31st pick in the latest CBS Sports mock draft. That's impressive. I mean, 10 guys in the first round. The SEC just seems to do it every single year. They are the premier conference for NFL talent. And lastly, Kentucky basketball fans have not had a lot to be happy about the last week. They lost a game to Richmond. They lost a game to Kansas. But on the NBA side of things, John Wall is reuniting with Boogie Cousins. The Houston Rockets signed Boogie Cousins just a couple weeks ago, made a trade yesterday, sending Russell Westbrook to the Washington Wizards for John Wall. So Wall and Cousins reunited in Houston. I saw nothing but happy Kentucky fans all over the Twitter timeline last night. Super excited about that. Look, we don't talk NBA here normally, but that's significant for Big Blue Nation. Excited about John Wall and Boogie Cousins. We'll see if they can both stay healthy in what they got left in the tank. And that is around the conference. Coming up next... We'll talk all things SEC with Lynn Scarborough of Lindy Sports. And a little bit later, Joel Klatt from Fox Sports. A quick minute here for our friends at Coors Light. It is almost the weekend, guys. That means it is time to go stock up on your weekend snacks and stock up on your weekend brew. And that is ice-cold, refreshing Coors Light. Coors Light wants you to know that no matter what sport you're watching throughout this fall and therefore after you got to do it with an ice-cold Coors Light. doesn't matter what sport you're watching. Coors Light is the official beer of watching any sport just to drink beer. Watching football we know is therapeutic to all of us. It is our uninterrupted me time, an excuse to chill, relax, and drink beer. It is mountain-cold refreshment made to chill, cold-lagered, cold-filtered, cold-packaged. It is as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Coors Light is the one that I choose when I need to unwind. So when you guys want to hit the reset button, reach for the beer that is made to chill. That is Coors Light. And you can get them in their new look bottles delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. And when you do so, please remember to celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, a quick reminder to join us tomorrow on Locked on SEC. We're going to preview all the games coming up this weekend in the conference, give you some score predictions as well as matchup breakdowns, and we'll be joined by Jim Dunaway of Jocks FM in Birmingham. We'll talk all things Bama, LSU, as well as AM Auburn. You do not want to miss that. All right, we always love to catch up with this guy. We're joined now by Lynn Scarborough of Lindy Sports to talk all things SEC with us. Lynn, how are you, man? Hey, good morning, guys. Uh, glad, glad to talk with y'all. Uh, they probably told you I'm driving up to the publishing office, uh, so I apologize if there's any uh, bad bad connection sound because I am I am talking to you from the car. That's fine. You you sound great on our end, Lynn. I, I want to start with Sarah Fuller at Vanderbilt. The Commodores are listing her as their uh, lone kicker this week. So far, I saw some people on social media are up in arms about her being named co-SEC Special Teams Player of the Week. Did you have a problem with that when you consider she had just the one kickoff, or is this more about the making history aspect like she did? No, I, I think that ought to be recognized. I was just so sorry that she didn't get a chance to kick the score. Uh, I, you know, I wish Vanderbilt had gotten in scoring position to give her a shot. 
and uh, and see if she could have made a field goal. No, I think I mean that's historical. There've only been you know two or three times that a that a female's ever played uh, in a in a male college football game, and it's the first time it's ever been in a Power Five conference. So I absolutely. I mean, there were some there were some good performances by other people. I mean, you know, Kyle Trask did his did his usual. Uh, uh, Devontae Smith from Alabama, you know, caught seven passes for 150 yards or whatever it was, and scored some more touchdowns. That, that guy scored like I think eight or ten touchdowns in his last three or four games. Uh, but no, I would have given it to the to the girl. What was her name? Fuller, wasn't it? Yeah, Sarah Fuller. Yeah, yeah, I would I would have given it to Sarah, and and good for her. I don't I don't know if they're going to have somebody kick. Uh, against they play Florida this weekend, don't they? Uh, Georgia at Georgia. Play Georgia, Georgia. Okay, I think it was one of the one of the better teams. Um, no, I hope I hope that I mean, obviously they they're hoping that their male regular kicker gets healthy and can play. But if not, um, you know they're going to lose. But I think it'd be great if they could score a touchdown. She could kick an extra point or she could kick a field goal. So no, I, I agree with you. I think it's a good a good choice. Lynn, the uh, latest uh, college football playoff rankings, no change in the top seven. I thought it was a real opportunity for A&M playing LSU this past weekend to have a statement game. And their their defense was really good, but the offense really struggled. Kellen Mond kind of resorted back to the old Kellen Mond of old. And, uh, you know, they struggled to to put up 20 points on on that bad LSU defense. Uh, No change in the top of the rankings. You know, Ohio State stays there at number four, even though they've only played four games but I, I thought if A&M could have put up a dominant performance like LSU did on them a year ago, say win something like 56-7, to seven, I think A&M could have had a real shot to jump up to number four in this week's rankings. Oh, I do too. Absolutely. And, and uh, I, did a, I did another show um, this morning with, with somebody involved with LSU and Texas A&M. And um, I don't know what to think about, about them, really. I mean, you know, Mond has always been inconsistent. But I don't know that he's ever been as inconsistent as completing 11 out of 34 passes at home against a team that gave up uh, 44 to Mississippi State, 45 to Missouri, 48 to Auburn. Uh, you know, and of course, A&M plays Auburn State. I was in the press box for Auburn and LSU. They beat them 48 to 11, and and Auburn literally played guys in the fourth quarter. And I cover Auburn every week. I I never heard of the guys, and LSU got beat 48 to 11. And then A and M got about a seventeen to nothing lead or something on on LSU, and and LSU played them, you know, played them even or better uh, after that. And it's it's as um, you know as mediocre of an LSU team, uh, you know, as we've seen in a while. And uh, I, I'm mystified. And and even with that, the line on the game this weekend's gone up. It started at four. It's up to seven. And um, I know that Auburn's got some some injuries now, and that's that was even a factor against Alabama. Um, and maybe maybe those guys are more hurt than I realized, than I than I knew. But because um, a lot of times teams, you know, will keep injuries and that kind of thing, kind of under the cover. But I don't, I haven't heard of anything that would have caused A and M coming off of that performance against LSU to be rising up to a seven point favorite where they started at four against Auburn. Auburn's last two home games were thirty to something double-digit win over Tennessee and 48-something double-digit win over LSU. So Auburn at home the last two games have been pretty good. And um, so I don't know what to think about it. And you're right, they, A&M missed a really good opportunity because they needed to post up. A, they really now need to win at Auburn. Uh, I mean, not, not just because they usually don't, but they really need to this time because, they, because of what they've got on the line. 
Chris. And, um, you know, A&M didn't bring uh, Jimbo Fisher to the uh, SEC to be fourth in his own division every year. They brought him to be in the top four of the country, uh, at least from time to time, to give them a, a championship chance. And this is the first time that A&M's come close. And they they blew an opportunity last week. They, they can't blow the opportunity this week because there, there is that argument that you threw in there. You know, what happens if you've got a 9-1 Clemson or a 9-1 A&M or Florida or whatever, uh, and you've got a 5-0 Ohio State, then who gets the advantage? You know, do you give it to, a, to an undefeated team but they didn't play but half as many games, and it's, it's their own fault and the fault of their own conference? that they started playing at the you know the early part of November instead of late September when the other conferences did and they put themselves in a in this position and then they're going to get rewarded for that and punish the punish the conferences that went ahead and played a full schedule I mean I don't I don't see it but you know as as you know there are teams uh, and Ohio State's one of them Southern Cal was in the day when they were good Alabama still is Notre Dame is that if they just do the same as somebody else, they're always going to get preferential treatment. And um, Ohio State, you know, in that in that position, I think Oregon State took care of the Pac-12 having an argument last week by knocking off Oregon. But um, but I think Ohio State's still right in the middle of that. And um, you know, I don't know if Ohio State's games will be played this week or not. I hadn't checked the cancellations. Y'all might know, but they've you know they've missed a couple of games already. And A uh, and M. A&M needs to beat Auburn, and they really blew a chance by by laying an egg and having that bad of a game against LSU. Lynn, what do you make of all these opt-outs in recent days? SEC players on teams that are uh, not playing for anything significant, a lot of them are choosing to opt out, prepare for the NFL draft. I'm just curious your thoughts on that. I'm really glad you brought that up. Between 11 o'clock and midnight last night, I was having a text message exchange with a longtime friend who has covered Razorback athletics for, for a long time, for decades. And we were discussing, I said, look, I got radio shows tomorrow. I'm sure I'm going to be uh, asked to talk about this uh, Boyd thing, Regine Boyd uh, not playing. I said, do I use the term opt out or do I use the term quit? And he said, if you want to be technically right, you use opt out. If you want to, if you want to say what Arkansas fans think, you put quit. Uh, and, and LSU, uh, Chris, uh, y'all's best receiver, uh, yeah, Terrace Marshall, this week. You know, and and if you if you do it two games into the season this year, I think you can make a case as opting out. If you do it with two games left in the season, then to me you're quitting on your team. And I I hope that uh, you know that that this is not the start of a precedent that's going to happen over the next two weeks leading into the conference championship games, because you know we've we've talked about it on your show before. I don't like it these players that in postseason bowl games, especially the skill position players, because, you know, the, the linemen and the people that you never hear of, uh, it's their blocking and their tackling and so on that's, that's given those guys the chance to get the big names. And uh, then when they get on the, on the big field in a, in a bowl game, they say, well, thanks, guys, but uh, I'm gone. Yeah. And so those guys still need a chance to play and, and show their skills and win a ball game. And, um, you know, could it, could it be that the uh, – Receiver from LSU said, uh, well, you know, I'm playing Alabama coming up, and that could really make me look bad, so I just don't think. Or, or boy, I think they still got to play Alabama, and they play Missouri. Uh, 
and, you know, maybe he's saying, well, these are two games we may lose, and uh, I may, you know, not do well. I could get hurt, so I'm just not going to play. So, no, I don't like it. And, uh, and I think that's a real issue and something that could, that could rear its head badly uh, if, if more of these guys decide to, you know, opt out or quit on their team, whichever one you want to throw out there. So, no, I don't, I don't like it, and I, I'm sure fans don't like it, and I understand that. Lynn, great stuff. Always fun to catch up with you. LindySports.com. Lynn Scarborough. We'll have to do this again real soon. Sounds good, Chris. Talk with you soon. All right. Thanks a lot. Lynn Scarborough there, Lindy's Sports. Coming up next, Joel Klatt from Fox Sports. A quick few minutes with him talking all things SEC. If you are looking for a Sunday pregame show that talks about every game and every team in depth, you need to check out the Locked On NFL Sunday show live every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern. No sketches, no celebrity cameos, no fluff, just football talk every Sunday morning with hosts Cody Rourke and Ross Jackson. Follow and subscribe to Locked On Live on Twitter, Facebook, Twitch, and YouTube. And don't forget to turn on your notifications You will be notified when the show goes live every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern. That is Locked On NFL. Uh, Joel Klatt from Fox Sports is going to join us here just for a quick few minutes, and he joins us now. Joel, it seems like the Aggies of Texas A&M did not do themselves any favors on Saturday night, uh, playing it down in the muck-type game with LSU when A&M is trying to impress the playoff committee. I get the vibe they didn't really do that this past weekend. Um, they did not do themselves any favors. Uh, and in fact, I, I have a suspicion after listening to Gary Barda, who's the committee chair on Tuesday night, um, after the rankings release, I, I got the sense that if A&M would have looked better, if they would have done to LSU what other teams have done to LSU, and this is certainly a shell of an LSU team this year, but if, if A&M would have been more dominant, then I think that the committee may have moved A&M into that four spot. Uh, it seemed like there was some some healthy discussion in that regard, in particular with Ohio State only playing their four games the way that they played against Indiana. So, I think from a opportunity standpoint, A and M really missed out in that opportunity. Um, and listen, I know there was some rustiness because they hadn't played in a game in a while, but I think from an opportunity standpoint, they missed out because a, a, a dominant win I think could have propelled Texas A and M right in the middle of the playoff conversation. And as it stands right now, you know, I feel like they're on the outside looking in. That said, if A&M goes into Auburn this weekend and wins convincingly, let's say by three touchdowns or more, uh, that could certainly move the needle in the favor of the Aggies, correct? Oh, sure. There's no doubt. I think their their opportunities certainly lie ahead of them. And in particular with the where the Big Ten is and, and Ohio State's schedule, who knows if they're going to play this week against a Michigan State team that is not very good, even if they beat Northwestern last week or not. Um, Michigan had to cancel today, this week's game. Who knows if they're able to play next week's game. If, if Ohio State misses either of these next two, they don't play in a Big Ten championship game. So that schedule and, and their strength of schedule overall is going to be called into question. Um, there's no doubt in my mind. I, I think there's a good chance that they play a maximum of six games. So – how, how the committee views those six games, how they play in those six games, how, how A&M finishes the year, all of that is going to define the rest of this season. And I would just say, 
let, let's just say in A&M's defense, they've had a remarkable year. I've been high on them. They, they could certainly put themselves in good standing with a couple of dominant wins, but Ohio State could, in theory, do the same. Remember, Alabama was facing a lot of the same questions earlier this year after the Ole Miss win that Ohio State is facing right now after an Indiana win. And I would argue that beating Indiana was more impressive than beating Ole Miss. And everyone, including myself, was like, well, what's going on with Alabama's defense after that, uh, that Ole Miss team uh, and Lane Kiffin kind of put it on them offensively? And, and they have subsequently gotten so much better, and they're dominant. They're the best team in college football. So just as A&M is going to be afforded the opportunity to pass the eye test moving forward, we have to understand also that Ohio State's going to be afforded that same measuring stick. And as Alabama has proven, these teams at the top with, with dominant teams, we think, can improve. And, and they are not a, a, a static entity. Joel, if Ohio State only plays, say, five games this season, they're 5-0 and or, or maybe even 6-0, and would they still pass the eye test for you and get into the playoff, in your opinion, over, say, Texas A&M? Um, I, I would put them in. Now, again, I, I reserve the right to change my mind depending on how these, these next few weeks go. I will tell you, if Ohio State can get onto the field this week, um, there's a good chance that they're not passing the quote-unquote eye test. And I know Texas A&M was dealing with a rash of injuries as well. And this is the hard part for the committee uh, and injuries and COVID and everything, right? But here's the hard part of, uh, for the committee. If Ohio State walks onto the field against Michigan State this week, I, I would – and this is not, you know, I mean, this is non-scientific. They're going to be at about 50, 55% of their capacity. And, and so what does that look like? And does the committee give them a pass because of that? Because the committee has certainly given Clemson a pass, at least that's what it seems, for being at a lower capacity in their loss to Notre Dame. I think we would all agree with that, right? And, and they've kind of been given the benefit of the doubt. So how are these teams being given the benefit of the doubt down the stretch, depending on what their capacity is, uh, I think remains to be seen. That's why it's so difficult. In a normal year, I would just tell you, like, listen, yeah, they win, they go 6-0, and they're going to be in. But I think there's so many unknowns, and this is a new iteration of the committee, that to be honest with you, I don't know how they're going to react. I will tell you, every iteration of the committee throughout the history of this playoff, and I know it's been a short and brief history, but every committee – that has come up with a final four has gone the, the path of least resistance. And in my estimation, an undefeated Ohio state would be the path of least resistance. I think it would be much harder and you'd have to be selling a little bit um, for lack of a better term, Texas A&M with one loss over and, and a non-division champion over an undefeated Ohio state team with Justin Fields as a quarterback. All right, what if Florida does the impossible and beats Alabama in the SEC title game? Well, they would be in, yeah. That's, and see, and here's the thing. Alabama would definitely be in, too. See, this is Ohio State and A&M and Cincinnati, for that matter, and maybe even BYU if you want to throw them in there. That's their worst nightmare. Their worst nightmare is going to be a Clemson win in the ACC championship game, which is, I would argue, likely, and then a Florida win in the SEC championship game. Because, again, the path of least resistance, and this is what happened in the original playoff. Remember now, there was a three-team argument in the first college football playoff. Ohio State, who beat Wisconsin 59 nothing behind Cardell Jones, and then the two Big 12 teams, Baylor and TCU, each had a loss. 
Remember, and, and they were really good teams, you remember, but the Big 12 tried to do this co-champion branding. What was the path of least resistance? You take those two, throw them out, give it to the Big Ten champ, Ohio State. This year, the path of least resistance would be if Florida were to win, they put Florida and Alabama in, and if Clemson were to win, they put Clemson and Notre Dame in, and they say, now we don't have to deal with the argument of a six game season for Ohio State, a non-division champ for Texas A&M, or a group of five in Cincinnati or BYU. So that's the, that's the one that you could even say is the most likely to keep all of those teams out. Last thing for you, Joel. Will the national champion this year be the true national champion in your mind, given all the, the craziness, everything involved with this season? Oh, that's a great question. Um It'll mean a lot to those those players, you know, and it'll mean a lot to that team and that program. I happen to believe it's going to be Alabama. They they seem to me, at least after I broke down their Iron Bowl, to be the, the class of college football. Um, I love this sport. I love it, man. I, lo- I love everything about it. Um, and I'm doing my best to remain positive and, and give the players that have opted in their due. And so because of that, I think that this means just as much to the players playing on the field as it would any other year. And so I, I'm hoping and, and will continue to try to make it mean as much to me as other years. Now, do you have some validity in what you're saying? Absolutely. Uh, but the fact remains, these, these kids chose to play this year. They opted in. They want to play, and they want to achieve. And some of them get, get a very small window to compete at the college level. And I want to honor those kids' decision and treat this season like I would treat any other season. So for that matter, you know, I'm, I'm all in on this season. Joel, it's been a brutal year, man. Thanks, uh, thanks so much for joining us. Hopefully we'll have some uh, better news ahead. It's a brutal year, folks. It's a brutal year. Better days ahead, sunshine ahead. There's a light at the end of the tunnel for the first time in months. Let's get these uh, vaccines rolled out, and we'll see, see you in a stadium next season. All right, thanks so much, Joel. Joel Bye, Platt there of Fox Sports Television. That is just about going to do it for us here on Locked On SEC. Appreciate all of our guests, Lynn Scarborough and uh, Joel Klatt there of Fox Sports joining us. Really appreciate them taking the time out again. Jim Dunaway going to join us tomorrow on the show. We're going to preview all the games happening in the SEC this weekend. A couple teams finishing off their seasons in Kentucky and South Carolina. So we're going to preview all the games on to- tomorrow's show. Make sure you're subscribed to Locked On SEC wherever you find your podcast. And you can always find us at LockedOnSEC.com. You guys have a great day. We'll talk to you tomorrow.